Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan on Twitter at Adam Vingan. Where should people pay for good journalism? Theathletic.com. <laughs> not .net, not .ca. Not .gov. Not .gov, not .org. <laughs> .com. Theathletic.com, of course. Uh, you can also follow 440 Sports at 440 Sports on Twitter and Facebook at 440 Media. On Instagram, big show planned, of course. The final week of the regular season we will cover on this here episode as we will get predictions, final predictions on what will take place in the final week with the Preds just having three games left to go. We're going to talk award season, right? I think the I think the Oscars had a, had a show a couple of weeks ago. Yes, a couple of Sundays ago. I don't think anybody watched, but you know what? We'll talk a little award season here in the NHL as... Uh, many of the awards, uh, maybe a couple of them have been sort of almost already de- decided. A few of them very much up in the air. And maybe the Preds are involved, perhaps, outside long shots at some of those. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. Pekka's final weekend, potentially, in a Predators uniform. The playoffs, Dallas versus Nashville, all that good stuff. So we've got a lot coming up on the show. Are you going to do the voice today, you think? I can't promise it. We'll see what happens. Okay, we'll see. P- people are clamoring. Except for that one guy on the Apple podcast review. <laughs> uh, uh, still gave us a five-star review, but complained about the voice. Gold Standard, of course, is brought to you by... Jaspers! Jaspers, the next evolution of the sports bar, a neighborhood eatery and watering hole. Uh, fantastic happy hour. So if, you gotta, if you're going to get out and watch Preds games this weekend, coming up here, uh, Gold Standard cocktail at Jaspers. Fantastic option. Uh, of course, you've got uh, the grab-and-go market. The game room is now a private room that is available for up to 30 people. So we're starting to reach capacity here. So you can start to go out with your friends a little bit more. Get vaccinated, people. It's just ridiculous not to do it. So please go do it uh, and go to Jasper's and uh, enjoy a, a great happy hour. Four to six every day. And during Preds games, Aaron Dugan of Fringe Element did not have kind words for you, Adam. She didn't. She didn't. What did she say? She would rather have... I think you asked her if she'd rather have a mocktail or no cocktail. Correct. And I think she she hedged a little bit and said mocktail, but then was upset about it. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have no cocktail than a mocktail because it does feel like a little bit like you're making fun of her. Um, and she's basically just not happy with you in general, so I would not hang around with Aaron Dugan anytime soon, Adam. Is she vaccinated? <laughs> she because, is, I believe, yes. Okay, well then... I don't know if I just violated her HIPAA laws or something. But... Yeah, I'm I'm vaccinated. Do you, have any, do you too. have any fighting words? No. Okay. I think the the cocktail situation speaks for itself. Wow. Go to Jasper's. Drink a gold standard. And I would also like to note because we talked about this, I think last week, we'd like to give our listeners special shout outs who do attend or uh, not attend, um, visit visit uh, frequent uh, Jasper's. And a friend of the show, Father Fanboy on Twitter, uh, tweeted at us on, I believe, Saturday night um, with his child uh, before heading to the Predators game. She was eating chicken wings. And I was was like, you're chicken wings. I was like, that is how you raise a kid right there. Yeah. So if you go to Jasper's because of what you've heard from us on this here podcast, tweet at us, tweet at Jasper's at Jasper's Nash. Let us know how much you're enjoying it because it is quite good. It is very, very delicious. All right. So before we get into the, the show today, I thought I'd uh, I thought I'd give fans who weren't able to go to the game on Saturday against Dallas and obviously weren't in the building for the Columbus game on Monday. But I thought I'd give 
some fans a little bit of a sense as to what the last couple of days have been like for the Nashville Predators. Now all the way the other way, and a great play by Eckhol playing center field to pick off the pass. He'll charge in. Eckhol. Put it in front. They score! Well, what a game. I think, you know, both teams were going to come in and play as hard as they could. I thought uh, it was a hard-fought battle by both teams. Wasn't a lot of uh, room on the ice, lots of physicality. I thought both goaltenders played really well. Playoff-style game, playoff-style atmosphere. Our fans were fantastic. And, you know, just like the fact that we were able to find a way to win and, and, and stay with it against a really good team. And uh, it was a good night for us. Here comes Holla. Crisscross. Give and go. Holla. Works it back. Yossi, the shot scores! Yes, sir! Predators win! The captain does it! Robin Yossi, his second goal of the night, and the Predators get the two points! We've been able to win the opening face-off quite a bit, and then I just think the, the guys do a really good job of making high-percentage high plays. You know, we don't give the puck up uh, when we have it. I think there's some patience to what we're doing, and, you know, they really understand that you know the difference sometimes in three on three than five on five is just it's really about high quality scoring chances that you can generate and puck possession is really important you can change at the right times when you possess the puck and you know if you have a uh, like an all or nothing play offensively and also that's a turnover and the other team gets it you know it usually causes some problems so i just think we've been poised with the puck good decisions yeah i mean it was huge obviously we will take the two points uh any any way they come obviously i thought we're First period was just okay. Second period was good, really good. I thought we were playing a lot of old zone and obviously getting rewarded. Then they get a goal and obviously, yeah, a couple of nice shots by, by that guy that got uh, got their goals. And, and uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we sat back a little too much in the third, but uh, obviously a huge goal. Yeah, phenomenal effort by us. <laughs> Adam, that, of course, the last two calls there, of course, on uh, Bally Sports Network, the, the Preds Network on television, of course, Willie Donick on the call. The overtime winners on Saturday night against Dallas. You could hear the building erupt. Then John Hines talking about the playoff game atmosphere and what it felt like. And, of course, uh, on, on Monday evening, they give up a three-goal lead in the third period to Columbus, come back and find a way to win in overtime. Uh, and, of course, John Hines comments as well about how good they've done. That's their 10th overtime victory sh- shutout, shootout or shutout, shootout or overtime victory on the season. They are 10-2. and two in those situations. And of course, uh, Philip Forsberg commenting uh, about that guy for, for Columbus, who I think had a hat trick, a natural hat, trick. a natural hat trick on uh, a Monday night. And also the, the play of captain Roman Yossi, who does it again in overtime. My first question for you was just what was, can you try to explain to people what the atmosphere was like on Saturday night? It, it felt like Smashville was as close to Smashville as it's been in over a year. Yeah, it was, it was a, typical at least what we've come to know as typical predators atmosphere despite there being one-third capacity in the building 5,700 people the predators are not publicizing their actual attendance figures but they have said that the 33 percent capacity equals 5,700 people (laughs) so if we take them at their word and there were 5,700 people in the building it certainly sounded like a lot more, which is yeah. a credit to the fans in the building for being loud. Um, one of the uh, funnier um, post-game exchanges of the season came after that game on Saturday. Eric Halla, uh was asked about the atmosphere, and 
keep in mind, of course, that Eric Holla, new to the team, uh, hasn't played for the Predators in front of a full building. And he, he brought up the, the standing ovation, the Smashville standing O, as it is known, um, that the team received in the third period. And he was like, yeah, that was pretty cool when all of the fans you know, gave us the standing <laughs> ovation, you know, because he hadn't experienced it before. In a nothing-nothing game. In a nothing-nothing game, but he had never experienced it before. Um, when he scored uh, the game-winning goal against the Stars, it was very loud in the building, um, again, despite it only being one-third full. Um, so credit to the fans in attendance, credit to the Predators for yeah. uh, continuing to maintain um, the atmosphere that they have come, they have uh, been known for for the past several years, despite limitations, and uh, it all equaled, you know, one hell of a game. Um, it was the closest thing to normal uh, that yeah. I feel like we've experienced with this team, watching this team in a, in a long time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And then, of course, the other normal is giving up a three goal lead in the third period um, because they they had it. Like I don't know about you, but Monday night. As a as a fan of a team goes, I'm not sure you could be on a bigger roller coaster ride than Monday night because you're scoreboard watching with Dallas and Dallas is down two in the third. Nashville's up three in the third. Both leads disappear within the same like half hour. Then Roman Yossi scores because it looks like oh by the way now da- Dallas was going to go down you know five points in the standings, but instead now they're down four. And Dallas could have gained ground on Nashville had they scored two points and Nashville only gotten the one. And that would have been, you know, really bad news for Nashville as it turned after giving up a lead. As it turns out, Yossi scores literally, I think it was one minute before on the on the the clock, 839 p.m. Central Time, 840 p.m. Central Time was when the Panthers scored to beat Dallas. So they do gain a point in the process. They're both back on the ice on Wednesday. You're listening to it probably this probably this on, on Wednesday. So. Three games left for the Preds, four games left for Dallas. We'll get into that schedule, but can you live like this? Like, <laughs> are you starting to feel alive again, Adam? It's It's been exciting to watch this Preds team over the last couple of weeks, even though you might see a three-goal lead disappear in the third period. It was an interesting split-screen experience because I had the Predators game on, of course, but I also had the Stars-Panthers Pan- Stars game excuse me, on, a, on a, another tab on my browser with the sound off. So I was just sort of flipping between the two and the predators start the third period up three, nothing. The Panthers are up four, two early in the third period. Uh, They surrender two goals in 11 seconds. The second of which was scored by Tyler Sagan, making his back on the ice, making his season debut um, after undergoing some significant uh, hip rehabilitation. Um, so you thought, of course, you know, star player, star, stars player comes back <laughs> after missing the entire season, scores a huge tying goal, you know, saves, we, their, we saves their season <laughs> right. while the Predators blow their opportunity. Um, but Roman Yossi scores in overtime. Um, I believe the Panthers scored on a power play in overtime uh, to win their game 5-4. So as we sit here, the clinching scenarios have not been officially uh, announced by the NHL. The simplest uh, playoff clinching scenario for the Predators on Wednesday is if they win, in, if they win 
and the Stars lose in regulation, right. it's it'll over. Be a, it'll be a six-point lead. Because it would be a six-point lead, and the Stars would have three games to play. Because the Predators own the tiebreaker. Well, actually, saying, correct? actually, let me rephrase that. So I think right now the Predators have three more regulation wins than the Stars. So I think the the Predators win might have to come in regulation. By the time you're listening to this, the NHL will have released the clinching scenarios, which they do the morning every morning. So I might be wrong. I think... The Predators have to win in regulation because that would give them a Re- four. R-O-W. Yeah, that would give. Yeah. Well, it's RW. It's not. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Well, there are both. There's there's regulation Row. wins and regulation overtime wins. The first tiebreaker. Well, technically, the first tiebreaker is points percentage, but that won't matter because both teams are playing 56 games. Uh, the the second tiebreaker is regulation wins, so excluding overtime wins. Um, and then and then row is number three. Yes, that's right. So I think if the Predators win in regulation, that gives them twenty, and then the Stars lose in regulation, they're at sixteen. So even if they tie the Predators by winning all three of their remaining games, and the Predators don't win any of the remaining games, it would be twenty regulation wins to nineteen regulation wins. So the Predators would yep. win. Yep. So I think it might have to be a regulation win for Nashville and a regulation loss for Dallas. Now we'll get into what that means for Pekka uh, in in this week this weekend because I think it would be nice to a clinch and settle it and take the spot and get get your roster ready for the playoffs. That would be a luxury. You're probably going to have to win one out of two against Carolina potentially, or at least take a point somehow in those games, and and certainly. Again, Pekka could be playing his final weekend in, in Nashville this weekend. So we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, I, I think I have a question about the roster. Philip Forsberg is back now and got back into that power play group that, that was so successful, right, with with Tolvanen and Johansson uh, and Yossi. And they got a power play goal yesterday in the second period. That group is back together. Um, the Carrier- most productive power play unit in the league, I believe, is that five-man yes. unit of Tolvanen. Forsberg, Johansson, Granlund, and Yossi. I think that's right. And they've got 10 goals, I think, in like 10 games together, something like that. I remember at the beginning of April, I wrote a story about Ellie Tolvanen, and my friends at SportLogic told me on a per 20 minutes basis that power play unit was the most productive in the NHL. Um, Were you surprised? Like Alex Carrier came back. Forsberg was back. Were you surprised? Richardson actually played a game. Well, Richardson (laughs) came back on Saturday to replace Nick Cousins, who was ill, a non-COVID-19 illness, to be specific. Cousins returned against the Blue Jackets, but Colton Sissons stepped out of the lineup, so Richardson filled his usual role as fourth-line center. But assuming Colton's injury isn't serious, I would imagine that Brad Richardson uh, would go back uh, on the healthy scratch list. What will be interesting, and I think this is what you probably want to talk about, is Victor Arvidsson's been out, but you hope he will be back. Uh, Dante Fabro is is closing in on a return. Yep. Um, so those two players in particular, who are you taking out of the lineup? I think in um, on defense, it's easier. Um, the sooner the Predators can get Eric Goodbranson out of the rotation, <laughs> the better. Um, 
So if you what, were, what do you want the three pairings to be going into a playoff series? I mean, Yossi, Ellis, Ekholm, Carrier, and then here's the interesting thing. So I would have Dante Fabro in there and Matt Benning. Wow. Um, Carrier's past Fabro, huh? I think so for now. Okay. Um, but either way, Benning, Carrier, and Fabro are all right-handed defensemen. Uh, so one of them will have to play on his offhand. I can't remember Dante Fabro playing on his offhand, and I'm sure Matt Benning has. I don't remember right, it happening right. here this season. Not saying that one of those two couldn't do it. Um, perhaps you could have Benning on the left and Fabro on the right. Um, I would get Eric Goodbranson out of there as soon as possible. You know, Ben Harper, if you're looking for that size on the third pair, you could put him on the left side. He's slightly better analytically than Eric Goodbranson, um, but neither of them are great. Um, both of them are, are sub-replacement level players. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Benning's done a really good job, especially during all of these injuries, um, playing with Roman Yossi for a stretch. So I would try to keep him in there, and I think if Fabro's healthy, you're going to play him too. So my guess would be, Yossi Ellis, Ekholm, Carrier, Benning, Fabro. Okay, I can I, mean, I can be on board with I that. I think that would probably be the mo- the most ideal situation. I mean, I would I N- would now do it for forwards. At least, well, the top that's what's that's hard. Um, the top two lines, maybe. You're not touching the Granlin line with Yarncroke and Cunning. I think that line has been um, quite strong. Um, I don't think you're touching the fourth line either. Um, the Trenin, Sissons, Janot. Um, and if Matthew Olivier uh, returns, you know that'll make for an interesting decision because Olivier was on that line until he was injured, and sure. Janot stepped in and has been really good. Um, I don't think you're touching the Johansson line either um, with Forsberg and Tolvanen. So you're looking at that third line, and you're looking at a combination of Nick Cousins, Eric Halla, Matt Duchesne, and Victor Arvidsson. Um to me, Man. the ideal—if I were putting together a combination of among those four—I would have Halla on the left. Uh, I said Sissons. Holland on the Halla on the left, Duchesne in the middle, and Arvidsson on the right. Yeah, and, I, I think I would agree with that. Um, you know, Cousins has been Cousins gives you something different. He's been effective in his role. He's been effective in his role, and he's been. A, a good quote unquote glue guy as we like to call them uh in hockey um but Halla has really stepped his game up lately as we were just discussing um i think duchene has done fine on the wing but i think he would prefer to play center so you can put him at center put arvidson on the right and i guess you can rotate between Halla and cousins depending on the situation so for me, if the Predators make the playoffs and everybody is healthy, you know, I would roll out a, a, a four-line team of yep. Forsberg, Johansson, Tolvanen, Yarncroke, Granlund, Cunning, yep. Halla, Duchesne, Arvidsson, Trennan, Sissons, Janelle. Okay. I, I, that, that's, what, that's what I think I would want to see. And so let's just hope that over the next couple of days, no, no other big injuries and people start coming back. And that is potentially what this team could roll out there in a playoff series. Again, they could clinch on Wednesday evening. Um, all right, look, real quickly, what, what are your predictions? It seems like Dallas has lost four games in a row since the last time we talked. It seemed like this was a, a lot closer together and a more 50-50 chance 
the last time we talked. The Preds get the W over Dallas on Saturday. Dallas loses twice in overtime. Nashville comes back on Monday and wins. It, it feels like, and I don't know what Dom Lachizans is saying for the athletic, but it does feel like this is an all but certain. It was 87% yeah. this morning. And, and I went back and I looked through uh, Dom's previous uh, projections over the course of the season. Um, on the morning of March 15th, which was the first game, um, excuse me, it was the game against the Lightning. It was like that Monday afternoon game. Uh, they were the, 11, 16, and 1. They were 11, 16, and 1. Yeah. So they were 26th in the league at the halfway point. They had a 2% chance of making the playoffs <laughs> on that day, according to Dom. And now it's at 87%. I mean, that's that's quite incredible. Um, they are 17, 6, and 1. I believe there are only pretty damn good. I believe there are only two teams in the NHL who have a better record since that date. Um, And people can correct me if I'm wrong here, if they want to look it up and take the time to do so Uh, the Vegas golden Knights and the Colorado avalanche uh, two of the top teams in the NHL. Uh, So the, the predators are in very good company. Um, And, and this is a conversation perhaps for next week. If the predators do indeed make the playoffs and we're talking about, a potential first-round series, most likely against the Carolina Hurricanes. If the Predators make the playoffs, do you consider this season a success when when you consider it from a big-picture standpoint? And I and Ooh, this sounds like a whole entire off-season pod. It is, but think about <laughs> it. This, think about it this way. So the Predators. I, I can come up with a lot of answers yeah, for you. The Predators are where we expected them to be at the end of the season. When we were talking about this team in January, as the season was about to start, and we projected what we thought the finish in the Central Division would be, we both said they'd probably finish in fourth place. We, we And actually, what we thought was it was going to be Dallas and Nashville at three and four with Florida fighting for that. Like, we thought those three were going to fight for two spots. Yeah. We did not anticipate Florida being this good. We did not anticipate Columbus being this We bad. had Tampa and Carolina making it. Yes. So... We did not anticipate Columbus being this bad. We did not anticipate Florida being this good. Right. Um, but we expected the Predators to be where they are. It, they took a very weird way, route to get there by, you know, sucking for the first half of the season. <laughs> um, but that's the question is, if you're a Predators fan and the Predators make the playoffs, do you consider this season a success? Because although... You can be proud as a fan by what this team has been able to accomplish over the past month and a half, two months. If the Predators make the playoffs and lose in five games to Carolina, are you going to be, well, that was a really exciting season. I feel good about things. Or are you going to say this team is still headed in the wrong direction despite everything we've seen? I will give you a very clear answer to that question when we come back. How about that? I'll give you an answer to that, and we'll talk about the Hart Trophy, UC Saros and Pecorine's final season, all when we come back here on the Gold Standard. The Gold Standard is brought to you by Jaspers. That was a little. That was a little un- under the weather there. Jaspers. <laughs> Don't do the voice for Jaspers. We like Jaspers. Jaspers. <laughs> Jasper's is delicious. <laughs> See, now now it sounds like a good thing. Now it's now the voice sounds like a positive thing. It's a great sports bar to go watch your favorite team play a game. Because you know what? There's an epidemic sweeping this country of terrible sports bar food. 
And Jasper's aims to solve that problem. Also, free parking. An epidemic in this country as well, right? People charging other people to park their cars. Epidemics left and right that, that Jasper's is solving. Just, just solving society's problems with fantastic food and free parking at a bar where you can watch the Nashville Predators. How about that? An epidemic, not a pandemic? No, no, they're not solving the pandemic. Well, They'll get vaccinated. But they're solving... Epidemics, left and right. An epidemic of terrible sports bars? Yeah, well, like, you know how you go to a sports, a traditional sports bar, which, of course, Jasper's is not, and you generally have to settle for bad food. You have to, you have to order sloppy bad food. If you want to go to a sports bar and Jasper's is solving that problem by giving you an elevated menu of, of fantastic pub fare, you know, shareables that are delicious. I mean, as I've said, you know, Jasper's is the type of place where if you're if you're vaccinated and you're single and you're ready to mingle <laughs> and you're a Predators fan and you would like to take someone on a special night out you can say, let's go to this sports bar, and perhaps your love interest might say, a, going on a date to a sports bar, <laughs> and then they show up, and they're so you're under amazed by it. <laughs> you're under-promising. And over-delivering. That's, that's what dating is all about. I think you say, it, would you like to go to the next evolution of the sports bar? And she goes, what is that? I can't wait to find out. Uh, well, it's Jasper's. And then, we go to, and then you go to Jasper's. The cool thing about Jasper's, honestly, though, all joking aside, you could just take like your wife is pregnant. You could take her on a nice dinner date, sit in the dining, sit in like the more formal room, and not pay you, attention to her while watching TV, and not watch TV at all, oh. and actually have like a nice dinner with your wife, you jack wagon. Or you could go with your buddies to like the private game room and rent it out and play darts and cornhole, or sit on the patio, or sit at the bar with the with a friend. You could take your kids. You know, like there's just you can kind of go a lot of different ways to Jasper's. It's a very versatile. You know, it's a, it's like a five tool player. And the grab and go market, if you're walking by, they got Dolly Parton merch, they got Nashville merch, they got the Amerigo's olive oil that you can take home to cook with, like lots of cool stuff in there. So it's a, it's a delicious place. And it is. Look, I, we've heard from a lot of you who have taken up our, uh, taken our word for it and have gone and have been very satisfied. So, you know, if you haven't had the opportunity to go, you should. Um, we haven't steered anybody wrong yet. No. No, we've got new menu items as well. Great happy hour, four to six every single weekday and during Preds games. So the big ones with Carolina coming up and, of course, Wednesday night. So just pop on by Jasper's. I'm there probably once a week. Uh, I'll probably be there this weekend as well. So go check it out um, and uh, go hang out at Jasper's. And tell all your friends and tweet at Jasper's Nash and all that good stuff. So yes. my uh, tag, tag people in it. My sister-in-law was in town late last week, and we picked up food from Jasper's. Nice. I had the picnic burger. Um Good for you. And uh, my sister-in-law had the smoke and roll, the, uh, the Ooh, turkey wrap. That's good. Um, I nibbled on it a little bit. It was quite good. We're, we're just sharing food now? This yeah. Is, this, is, this is what a vaccinated world looks like. We can share each other's food again. Remember how you used to hand a cocktail to someone and be like, hey, try this? Now you can do that with the gold standard it's, cocktail. It's been a long not time. Not the fringe element cocktail <laughs> or the fringe element mocktail, which doesn't exist. <laughs> the virgin Aaron Dugan. <laughs> I'm not touching that she one. She didn't like it at all. No. She didn't like it when I said that. Oh, All right, go to Jasper's, everybody. It's a great place to watch the game. Go to Jasper's. So we'll get to Pekka's final weekend in potentially a Predator sweater coming up and the and, and sort of award season. Yeah, Tom Wilson go batshit crazy on Monday night as well. 
So we'll get to a couple of other things that are going on around the league. Is UC Saros a contender for the Vesna or the Hart, which we've talked about? Um, so we'll get into that conversation. But can I, let me try to answer your question, which is, can you define this season as a success if they lose in five or six games, let's say, in the first round to Carolina? And I think I can answer, like, my first response would be, they didn't overachieve, they didn't underachieve, they just achieved. And so if you do that and you make the playoffs, it's hard to argue that it's a failure. It may not be considered a success, but it's definitely not a failure if you make the postseason. The reason I would qualify it as a success is because we learned a lot about some young pieces through the process. That's why I would, and, and maybe even the coaching staff, we have to go back and reset all of this. John Hines has still yet to coach a full season as the Predators head coach. This is technically a full season, but it didn't have a training camp, 56 games. All these games just piled on top of each other is not normal. Taxi squad is not normal. It is just not a normal year, not a normal division, not normal scheduling. Nothing is normal. So do, do I have a little more faith in John Hines? Yes. Do I have a little more faith in some of the young pieces that are going to be Ellie Tolvanen, you know, Alex Carrier, some of these younger pieces? The answer is yes to a lot of those questions. And so if you can make the playoffs and you can compete and win games and show us that there are some future building blocks, I can. that's, that's how I would spin it as a success. Yeah, I can see that. I, I mean, I think, I think when you consider the fact that we've learned a lot about players that we had hoped to learn a lot about, um, specifically the young players, you mentioned Ellie Tolvin and you mentioned Alex Carrier, um, we've come to know uh, Tanner Janot, Jeremy Davies, Matthew yeah, Olivier. Yeah, keep going. Um, UC Saros has proven that his run at the end of last season wasn't a fluke. Right. So there's a lot to feel good about. I'm just wondering if it changes how the Predators should proceed with their <laughs> roster, which is what we talked about a lot in February and March when we were talking about wholesale changes. You know, maybe the Predators don't need to, quote-unquote, blow it up. But I still think they need some sort of refresh, retool, whatever you want to call it. You know, perhaps it looks more like the Boston Bruins method of a few years ago. They missed the playoffs. I think it was two years in a row. But they maintained the core of Brad Marchand and Patrick Patrice, excuse me, I said Patrick Bergeron, Patrice Bergeron, <laughs> David Krejci, um, couple of really nice young draft picks. Right. You know, they added yeah. David Pasternak to that mix and, you know, Tuka Rask and, you right. know. Right. But, like, they, didn't, they haven't really skipped it. They, they had a quick hiccup, but then they continued to be competitive, and they're back in the playoffs again this year. I, st- I still think there are major decisions. Yes. Because, because you've got a couple of pieces with expiring contracts one year out, Philip Forsberg and Matthias Ekholm, namely, right? Um. You still have an expansion draft. You still have two centers that feel like they're overpaid uh, to some degree. You have some pieces that would be tradable, Ryan Ellis or Victor Arvidsson or whatever. I, again, I don't know. I'm just sort of throwing out stuff here. There's still a lot of decisions that are coming this offseason. And I don't know if David Poyle is going to be the one making them. I, I don't know if this last run here has changed. I, I never have ever said that I thought John Hines was anywhere in any danger at all at the end of the season. Even if they had stayed bad at hockey, <laughs> I never thought John Hines was ever going to, you know, be involved in any changes. I did think that David Poyle would would be sort of quote unquote moved gently out to pasture somewhere in the front office. Uh, have we changed our opinion on that? 
Do we think? Do you think he's in charge of this team at the start of next season? I'm more inclined to believe yes. Um, even with all of the discussions that we were having earlier in the season, you know, I still had a hard time believing that there was going to be some sort of significant change in management. Um, but I mean, that's the question is there are certain things about this team that you can feel good about, but at the end of the day, this was a team that was built to win championships and it required a insane run in the second half of a season just to qualify for the fourth spot in the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, put it that way. <laughs> like it's not, you know, this was not like a team that was on the, bu- like on the bubble a month and a half ago and then went nuts to win the central division or the Western conference. This was a team that was near the bottom of the NHL and needed a run of eight, 17, six and one, 17, six and one to get to, to reach fourth place. Hmm. Like th- like, that's still below expectations internally for this group. So that's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, no, it, when you put it that way, <laughs> it, it, that's, that's just the context I'm trying to, to I, I'm doing the best I can to, you know, verbalize it. I'm not doing the greatest job, but I think that's what I've been thinking about over these past number of weeks. Um, you know, how should fans feel? I can't tell you how to feel. I've tried plenty of times, but I can't tell you how to feel. Um, you know, for me watching it, as I've said many times, it's nothing short of remarkable. They deserve so much credit. Um, the players, John Hines, um, they deserve so much credit, um, for being able to resurrect their season when it looked so bleak, but you know, when it takes, it was basically Roman Yossi cussing is what did it. It was, it takes, it takes a a winning percent, excuse me, a points percentage of 740, which is what I think 17, six and one is when I looked it up earlier, it takes a points percentage of 740 just to get you into fourth place. Like that's, <laughs> that's where I'm sort of, would you like to hammer home that point again for know. a fourth time? Yes. Fourth place. An amazing run just to get into fourth place. But you, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, no, I, I, I 100%. Like I think that I think that's the context that's important. You can you can sure. embrace what you've watched, but it's also important to be realistic that it took that to get to this. Well, and technically there's anything still not. less than that, you wouldn't have made the playoffs. Which speaks to what we played earlier, the cut of John Hines talking about how smart they've been in overtime. That was a major problem for this team for many years in overtime. And now the the luck has sort of bounced their way for whatever reason. They've I been... do have their overall three on three records season by season. I tweeted that I last that. night. I saw that. Just for those who haven't seen it, we're gonna go. Right, go we're gonna it. go from this season to the first season. And this does not include shootout. Vince this is wins. just games that have been decided within the five minute right. three on three overtime period. This season five and two. Last season four and five. Eighteen nineteen five and four. Seventeen eighteen five and four. Sixteen seventeen four and eight. 15, 16, Four two and, and 12. Four and eight. That's crazy. Two and 12. Two and 12. So we talked about that a lot. I remember, I remember talking, I, mean, I remember, I remember talking about that a lot. Just thinking this has got to turn around at some point. And again, if you add in five more shootout wins to that list of five and two this year, because I think they're 10 and two. Yeah. They're it, five and zero oh in the shootout. Five they're and oh, like, lost a shootout. I, I'm sorry. There's some luck involved in that. And when you put, 
if just one or two of those games goes a different direction, we're talking about them missing the playoffs, and then we have a very different conversation. I mean, on think our hands about, about what would success. have happened last night if the role if the results were reversed. What if the Stars would have won in overtime and the Predators would have lost in overtime? I mean, that point could have decided who made the playoffs. Yeah, 100%. And it makes this weekend far more stressful for the Nashville Predators. Um, but here, here's what I can... Here, here's what I'm going to... Let's let's move on to... Unless you've got one more thing to add, it sounds like. No, I forgot what I was going to say already. <laughs> the, the what main, movie is this that's on in the background? The main the reason... I don't... It's Keanu Reeves. Uh, like Replica or something? I've never heard no, of it. I'm not a huge um, Keanu fan. Sorry, guys. What? Um, so where'd you get that jacket? People enjoyed my Jeff Spicoli, Ryan Johansson. I, they, it was good. It was metaphor, good. I I agree way. with you. I Even though that was, that was that was Sean Penn and not Keanu Reeves, but yeah, Bill great. and Ted and they Fast Times Range Ridgemont High. It's, they have a very similar voice inflection, like gross, you know, point blank. You know, very yeah. similar. Anyway, what? Um, all right. So the reason this team is on this incredible run, the number one reason we can talk about John Hines. We can talk about the developing young players. We can talk about the stars doing work, right? Roman Yossi, Ryan Johansson, uh, Matthias Ekholm has played brilliantly over the last month. There's so many good players that have played really, really good hockey that have led to this, but number one on the list with a bullet in neon lights, flashing atop everything is UC Soros. UC Soros since March 15th. This is about when he was hurt, which is about that. that. March 18th was his first game back. Right. And and again, I use that date because that's the 11, 16, and 1. Uh, he has a 945 save percentage with a 1.83 goals against. His goal saved above average, I believe, is over 12. The next highest rated player, I think, is a 6.7. So he's basically doubling the next highest rated goalie in, in saves above, uh, above expected. Connor McDavid, for all intents and purposes, has won the Hart Trophy, correct? And it better be unanimous. And, so, you, and you vote on that, right? So, yeah, let's let's be clear about something to start. So, the Professional Hockey Writers Association votes on the Hart, MVP, Calder, Rookie of the Year, Selkie, Defensive Forward, um, Norris, Defenseman, uh, Lady Bing, for some reason, Sportsmanship, um, the Masterton, which is the Perseverance Award. I'm trying to think if I'm missing anything. I think that's it. Um, the general managers. The general managers vote on the Vezina for top goaltender. What? Why is that the case? I don't know. The the That's broadcasters association votes on the Jack Adams, which is coach of the year. Um, That's so odd. It is odd. I mean, to be honest with you, like we in the media, well, you can argue whether we in the media should vote on awards to begin with, but we in the media should not be voting on the Lady Bing, which is the sportsman the sportsman trophy. Um, oftentimes people will look at which player had the most points with the fewest penalty minutes. But I, I think... Or the guy who talks to them the nicest in the locker room. <laughs> but I think I think the officials should vote on that award. That's pretty good. I like and, that. Because, you know, they're the ones dealing with these players. Like, yeah, sure, you know... Who is the nicest gentleman on the ice? Right, ex-player, you know, ex-player, uh, you know, might have few penalty minutes, but he complains all the time that's tom, not very gentlemanly tom wilson in this tom wilson will never win the lady being i'm sorry <laughs> um but uh i think he i think he'll be able to live with that um yeah i think it'll be fine but the numbers you're referencing were from before last night's right, game that's right um but i believe i read them in on the athletics you somewhere. did um so you know using my friends at sport logic i wanted to see how just how good UC Soros has been since he came back from injury, and and the statistic you're referencing, goal saved above expected, um, which is a fancy way of 
um, boiling down shot quality and quantity to determine you know how good a goaltender has been based on the percentages uh, of the shots he's facing to go into the net. So this even simpler way, the even simpler way of explaining that, and I don't think I just explained it very well either, <laughs> um, is that so UC Soros based on the shot quality and quantity that the Predators have surrendered um, since March 18th. UC Soros has saved an extra 12.1 goals. And the um, next highest Which was guy the is... starter last night on the other team, Elvis Merzlikens, was, I believe, 6.7. 6.7. So UC Soros... So twice as many goals as had, every other player yeah, in the entire league. Over the past month and a half. Um, it's, how and you, it's how you win games, boys. It, it is. And um, so I wrote a story talking about that, you know, if the Predators make the playoffs, he should be given some heart trophy consideration. And what I mean by that is he's not going to win it. Connor McDavid should be unanimous. And it should also be noted that this year, because of um, the divisional aspect of the schedule, and because look, I've really, I, it's my job to watch the entire league and I pay attention to it, but I'm not seeing 30 other teams. You know, I'm only watching games involving the predators and seven other teams regularly. So, the way that the Professional Hockey Writers Association divvied up the vote this year is they gave they gave votes to 20 media members in each division and then 20 at large, they call them national sure. voices. So for 100 people. The Heisman Trophy is actually kind of similar. Yeah. They're, they're, it's regional and then there's some national yeah. people. So there are 100 people, myself included, voting on the awards this season. Normally... You know, if you were breaking it down by everybody had a vote, there would be significantly more people in the North Division, the Canadian Division, than there would be in the Central Division or the West Division. Sure. Um, So they did not want, you know, there to be skewed North Division because of all of the Canadian media. Um, So... But basically, after all that so, uh, legalese there, yes, the, the Connor McDavid at almost two points per game is going to he's going to, he's he going to win the heart and he the could have a hundred points in the fifty six game season, which is insane. Which is insane. Um, he's already has he already has my vote. So you know everybody like. The, but the thing is, so the, the question rest, who should be the finalists around him for the heart? Right, and I don't even think that UC Soros is ultimately going to be a finalist. So when we submit these ballots, by the way, I know I'm getting deep into the voting. When we submit these ballots. We submit five names, um, and each... he's got to be on one of those five names, though, right? Well, that's what I'm getting at. So we submit five names, and the top three vote getters. I believe they're assigned points based on right, where right, we right, where, right. where we um, where we place them, and the top three are the finalists. Um, once once all ballots are tabulated, yes. Okay. So you know, I think back to twenty. 20- Can you give us a sneak peek? I I have not done my research yet. Other than Conor McDavid winning, because like I I spend time like digging into no, 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 as you and should stuff. as you should. Um, but so let me so here's some context. Um, in 2015, the Minnesota Wild were in last place in the Central Division in in mid January, and they trade with the Arizona Coyotes for journeyman goaltender and former Predators goaltender for a hot second, Devin Dubnik. And Devin Dubnik, I think, went 27 nine and two. After the trade, he had a goals against of under one. He had a save percentage of like 935. Under one? Oh, sorry. Under two. Sorry. Under two. It might have been like 175 or something like that. Which is basically where Soros is at right now. So he he had an incredible second half of the season. The Wild, who were in last place in the Central Division, ended up making the playoffs. 
Um, and it's a regular season award, so I don't count what happens in the playoffs. But they went from being dead last to, I think, fourth place in the Central um, and winning as a wild, making it as a wildcard team. And he finished fourth in Hart Trophy voting that season for one half season of dominance. So if Dubnik did the, if Dubnik was able to be finish in fourth place for that, if the Predators make the playoffs, Soros, by all intents and purposes, has a case to be in the top five. So Connor McDavid, probably what? Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews. Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon. Then you can talk two goaltenders, maybe three. You could talk Vasilevsky at Tampa, who's the head of... We'll get to the Vezina in a second. You could talk Saros, maybe... Connor Hellebuck at Winnipeg? I mean, I Connor Hellebuck has not been as good this season as he was last season when he won the Vezina and basically carried the Jets into the playoffs. He, he He's still doing incredible work. Um, and that's the interesting thing because you talked about the Vezina. And like if you are a heart candidate, are you not the top of the Vezina? Here's candidacy? the issue, though. It's because two different people are voting for those awards. Oh, God. You know, the general managers... Ugh might deal with voting differently than media members. But, but the but the principle. <laughs> oh, I get it. Like, if I you are if, a heart, if you're a top five, even if you're not a top three finals, let's say you see Zaros is fifth on your ballot, right? Or fourth on your ballot. To be considered among the MVPs of the league, most valuable player in the league for your team. And it's hard to argue that Saros isn't in the conversation. I, I'm with you. I probably don't think he's a finalist. I don't think he's top three. But he's in the conversation. You then have to be a finalist for the Vezina Trophy. Like, you can't be one and not the other. I agree with you. But, as I said, it's hard to determine that when two different entities are voting for those specific awards. Now, for example, if Adam Fox, rookie defenseman for the New York Rangers, um, I think he's a rookie, right? Um... If or he was last year. If let's just use a different example. If a rookie is having an incredible season and he's number one on my he's number one on my Calder trophy ballot because he's far and away the best rookie in the class and he's leading his team to the playoffs, you know, I might have him on my heart trophy ballot too. And he may not be number one, but he might still be on there. Over like I don't know, Mitch Marner, Sidney Crosby, I know what McKinnon. You mean. I'm just, like, come on. I what I'm just what I'm saying is it's I, I think it's, you're fudging the the criteria a little I bit. I am uh, I, I I perhaps am I'm talking myself in circles here. <laughs> but my my point is is that your premise is sound that if a goaltender is in heart control heart trophy consideration, he should therefore automatically be in Vezina trophy conversation. My counter to that though is general managers how they vote on awards is different i think than how reporters vote on awards yeah i know and that's stupid like i might <laughs> like i might like i see uc sorrows playing this well and, and i think okay maybe he's worth a fourth or a fifth place vote in the heart trophy that's probably where i was but at. a general manager might say well he was pretty bad the first half of the season you know shouldn't i give the vezina trophy award to a goalie who's been great since the beginning I mean, I think Vasilevsky's going to win it, and I think if you look at um, if you look at the heart, it's obviously McDavid. Uh, I don't think there's you know nobody's involved in the Norris Trophy. I don't think Ellie Tolvanen has done enough to be involved in the Calder Trophy. So I, I don't know if these guys are going to end up getting any votes or anything. Adam Fox is your favorite, and by the way, not just the Athletic, but UC Saros mentioned in the Heart conversation, I believe, 
uh, on ESPN with you know with their big with Greg Wyshynski's article about awards as well. So not just Nashvilleians and, and Adam Vingen writer you know getting getting some commentary for UC Soros in this conversation. It, it's it's happening around the league. So uh, again, if he finishes fourth or fifth in the heart voting and is not fourth or fifth in the Vesna, it just you can just tell that the different voting blocks are acting like a bunch of. I also want to issue a correction. I do not believe Adam Fox is a rookie. He was last year. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's your front runner for the Norris. I think, right? Yes. That's what I was, I was confusing the two. The, the front runners for the Calder are, uh, Kirill Kaprizov Kaprizov from from Minnesota and Jason Robertson from Dallas. Minnesota is like actually fun to watch. How about that? That's weird. It's it's, and it sucks. They're coming back to the division too. So, um, we shall see anything else from the award standpoint you want to mention. I don't, again, I don't think there's anything else Preds fans need to know about, um, real quickly, wh- how do you want to see Pekka handled this weekend? Wh- what is the ideal situation for you as it pertains to Pekka Rene? Because I could argue I want to see this thing ho- clinched and wrapped up by Wednesday night so that he starts Saturday night because Saturday night in Smashville is kind of special. Also, I could see it being clinched on Saturday night so that he can start the season finale and and start his final game of his final season potentially as a Nashville Predator there, there, that feels bookendy, if that makes sense. Like it feels like a an appropriate finish. I want him. I want them to clinch so badly that Pekka gets a chance to start a game, beginning to end, take his ovation at the end, and I'm assuming the whole place will be incredibly emotional. A lot of lot of allergies in the building on huh. Saturday or Monday night. Hopefully, I mean, as long as the Predators need to win to clinch, UC Saros is going to start. So if it happens tomorrow or today, Wednesday, depending on when you're listening to this, um, well, you're Saturday, Wednesday. Um, if it happens on Wednesday, I think he starts on Saturday. If it happens on Saturday, I think he starts on Monday. I think if the Predators clinch a playoff spot with games to spare, Pekka will start one of those games. Yeah. What, and, what happens if they clinch, like in the middle of the? Like what happens if they're up five nothing? And they need the Monday night win to clinch, and they're up five nothing. And Pekka hasn't played yet. That would be it. what happens then. You you put him in. I mean, giving up a five goal lead with five minutes to go doesn't seem likely, but you pull your guy throwing a shutout or whatever. To no, you don't. You got to give Pekka a hat tip somehow, right? Right. I think best case scenario is they clinch with games to spare. Yeah. And and Pekka gets a full game. But I think we'll that's I, that's what I would like to see, and I think fans agree. I think Pekka probably agrees, and I think the team probably agrees. Also, everybody agrees. Go out and clinch, right? Get your playoff spot locked up, right? So then you can celebrate Pekka the way he deserves to be celebrated. Also, I mean, again, in theory, there, there could be playoff games, right? Like if it's if they're down four one, yeah, and then there's Bridge always the chance to six, pull a yeah. goalie and make a goalie switch. Right. I mean that that always happens. I'm just saying that. If Pecorine gets an opportunity to play in one of the final two games to start, yes, yes, that I think it will be his final start. I'm not going to discount an appearance, a relief appearance, yes, but in terms of an actual start, I don't know if you're getting another one after this yep. weekend. I agree with you. Uh, last but not least, here on the show, Tom Wilson uh, went bonkers on Monday night. You're the you're the Rangers fan growing <laughs> no. up. 
Um, I don't really, as a Predators fan now, I don't particularly enjoy. I know, Ar- but Artemi Panarin. <laughs> I'm understood, not, not a but, fan of Panarin anymore. But you, but you grew up a Rangers fan, and those allegiances, you know. Uh, to die be honest hard. with you, I haven't watched a game in like 15 years. Okay, but, but whatever. They're they they were long gone when they the Rangers underachieved for yes. like 10 straight well, years. Well, Tom Wilson did some stupid shit again. Yeah. Um, he like, like pushing people's heads into the ice a la Crosby. Yeah. There was a, there was a scrum in front of the Rangers net or actually it was front of the Capitals net. Um, and, uh, Wilson got tangled with Pavel Buchnevich and then like cross checked his face into the ice while he was already down. Then he got into a, a, a roughing situation with Artemi Panarin and seemed to pull him to the ice by his hair. Yeah. It was... Um, it was a little bit nuts. And the NHL only fined Tom Wilson $5,000. So that'll teach him. But what's, what's interesting... Fire a referee for a, I know. some guy in a truck leaving a mic on and uh, $5,000 grand for like... $5,000 grand. $5,000 for assault. I mean, I... <laughs> Which would be assault. And Chris Mason says this all the time. What hockey players do on the ice would be literally criminal on a sidewalk. Well, I it's think, assault. Well, I think <laughs> when I think of Tom Wilson, I have an interesting perspective because I cover Tom at the beginning of his career. When when Tom entered the NHL, I was still covering Washington, so I I got to know Tom, and early on in his career, you know, he was positioned to be the enforcer type. It wasn't until the past several years, mostly after I had left, where he was given top line, top six. You know, playing with the likes of Evgeny Kuznetsov and Nicholas Backstrom, TJ Oshie, Alex Ovechkin, those types. No and he's, the cup. he's clearly a talented player. You know, he is a he is based on size, skill. He's he is a. All right, where are you going with this? Uh, what I'm saying is that Tom Wilson, as a player, when you consider his size and his skill, you want a player like that on your team. You want a guy who's six foot four, six foot five, two hundred thirty pounds who can score thirty goals or twenty goals. The problem is, is that he can't stop doing his other stupid shit, which takes away <laughs> from how all, it takes away from all of the other stuff that he does so well. I mean, this is not Cody McLeod we're talking about. Right, right. This is right. not Zach Ronaldo we're talking about. You know, Tom Wilson. This has got some Brad Marchand to it. Yeah, I mean, Brad Marchand. He's not a big dude, but like, you get my point, right? Kind of yeah, an annoying I mean, asshole. He's a, he's a pain in the ass, but he yeah. he can play hockey, and like, <laughs> like that's that the thing with Tom Wilson is he, you know, he's. I feel like he's better than this. Like, he doesn't have to do these things to be an effective player. Is this mostly tied to the fact that you covered him? That you have you're so fired up? No, because it's Wilson? been because I've been so far. I mean. It, been six okay. years since I covered. So it. all four teams in the East have clinched: Washington, Pittsburgh, Boston, and New York. The Islanders will be in. There, there's still yeah. some seeding to figure out there. But, but the Rangers are eliminated. Rangers are out. Uh, Devils, all, Sabers, and Flyers. All are but out. one spot in the West has been has been clinched at the time of taping. Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota are in. Toronto and Edmonton are in in the Canadian North Division. And most likely Montreal and Winnipeg will be the other two teams. Right. Calgary is still technically alive, but they're ten points back. So basically, there's. The Preds are all but likely to clinch. Um, and St. Louis it should is five also be noted. It should also be noted that the Chicago Blackhawks have now officially been eliminated from postseason contention. Adios. Still have so, no good nickname for them. So, but I, I, it makes you feel good if you're a Predators fan to hear that. I will say this though: St. Louis makes the playoffs. That would be St. Louis, Minnesota, Colorado, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Nashville, all making the postseason. 
So five of the eight normal teams. Yeah, I, I thought that was going to Arizona's still technically alive, but that's that seems unlikely that they they take. Yes, for those back. of you who forgot, next Arizona season where division. things are back to normal, Arizona will be in the Central Division. Yeah, so Central Division to make room for Seattle and some young talented players on a lot of those teams. So it's going to be an interesting division next year. It'll be interesting to see Winnipeg will go down, I think. Yes, but it'll be interesting to to watch the Predators play this version of the Minnesota Wild. You know, to see him stack up against Colorado, yep. Um, yep. renewing hostilities with St. Louis, Dallas, and, and you know, like it'll be, it'll be fun. You know, and then there's also Arizona, which means <laughs> if everybody, which they if, don't play well in Arizona, I know. At all, but so. if you get, to, if I, if I'm able to travel again, I mean, I never not enjoy going to Arizona, mostly for the weather. Uh, before we get to Jasper's, special thanks to Jasper's, our title sponsor. Uh, as we wrap up today, Carolina, Florida, Tampa, in that order right now, 77, 75, 73 points. Uh, who do you want to play? When we record next week and we're breaking down a series, who do you want the, the Predators to be facing in a series? I, Florida is the team I think you want to face. Well, but it's definitely not Carolina. So it's, definitely. it's definitely not Carolina, and it's not Tampa either. Like We did this last week. I know, but it's so. not Tampa either. I mean, we talked about this last week. You know, Florida is the lesser of three evils, but you saw what Florida could do to you twice yeah. last week. I know, I know, I know. You know, if UC Soros doesn't, if UC Soros does not play the way he does in those two games, what, the, so they scored one goal in the first game and seven in the second? <laughs> yeah. So they scored eight goals in two games. One of those goals was an empty net. Um, but it could have been like 14 or 15 yeah. goals against yeah. If, yeah. The, if UC Soros doesn't play the way he Place. Well, well, we'll have a whole entire episode next week to break down uh, the matchup and to uh, get some thoughts on hopefully what a playoff match will look like. I suppose the Preds could still choke it away, but it seems all but likely that they could clinch on Wednesday. Hopefully, Pekka gets a start over the weekend, and hopefully everyone brings lots of tissue, lots of Kleenex with you if you're going to the games over the weekend because I have a feeling it will be emotional uh, when Pekka is out there on the ice in some capacity, hopefully on Saturday or Monday evening. Adam, where can people pay for good journalism? At theathletic.com. There you have it. Where can people follow you? On Twitter at Adam Vingan. You can follow me, of course, at Braden Golf. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Jaspers, our title sponsor here on the show. Great happy hour. Make sure you go check them out, of course. Um, 4 to 6 p.m. every single day and then during Preds games as well. So Wednesday, Saturday, Monday this week and then playoff games. Jaspers has got you covered. So make sure you check out their menu. New, new menu items. Grab and go market as well. Fantastic bar to watch the game. Free parking. All that cool stuff. So thanks to Jaspers. For Adam Bingen, my name is Braden Gall. Thank you for listening. This has been the Gold Standard Podcast on the 440 Sports Network.